Welcome. You've discovered the world it's ass. I got to apologize ahead of time too. I'm getting over a cold, so I'm going to be coughing a lot probably. Oh, that's no good. I quit. It's more editing for me. Right. Uh, how should we start? Um. Well, uh, I guess when we left off, you were still here. So, I mean, if you want to kick off by talking about, you know, the the short time that you were here, and then you know, and just go from there. Um. So let's see. Um, for the and just for the record, I I didn't read the blog because you bastard. I know because I don't like it now. Because we uh, <laughs> the last time, you know, we had had lunch and you had told me a couple of the stories and then some of the stuff was really funny the first time I heard it right. and it was hard to replicate. <laughs> to right. Replicate just wasn't funny again. <laughs> yeah, I mean the some of the stuff was it was it was hilarious and it's hard to translate that the second time. Yeah. So. I kind of wanted to stay fresh I got on uh, on some of that stuff, so I figured, you know, I'm just not going to read the blog yeah. until afterwards, probably. I got you. You're just not going to read it at all. If at all. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> but anyway. Okay. So, I'm, I'm coming at it fresh, basically. Any, whatever was in that email you sent me is all I'm aware of. Okay. So. Okay. It's found. Um, so, let's see. I guess when we left off the last podcast, I was trying to decide what I was going to do. Um, I finally after putzing around for quite a while, I decided I've just got to choose a destination and book a ticket and just move towards that date. Uh, cause I felt like I was kind of like spinning my wheels. Um, so I just chose London. Um, I could get a fairly cheap plane ticket. Um, and, uh, I went ahead and reached out to the couch surfing host that I was supposed to stay with the first time around for London. Um, we're headed there after Brussels. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's headed to Bruges and then, yeah, and then to the UK. Um, mm-hmm. So I figured, well, I could, you know, maybe I could stay with them. And um, I never heard back from them, though. Um, so I ended up getting a hostel. But uh, that's skipping ahead a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I booked a ticket for October 16th uh, out of Baltimore. And it was on uh, Wow Airlines, which is like a really cheap. Uh, you find this the most random airlines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. So they're out of Iceland. They're really cheap. I mean, um, and they're definitely a no-frills type of airline. Um, like even if you wanted a glass of water, you're paying for it, you know? So Right. Um, but I got a ticket to London from Baltimore for 300 bucks. Um, nice. So, but I had to get to Baltimore. So I booked a ticket from Richmond to Baltimore um, and that was like 62 bucks, I think. So all said and done, it was, uh, you know, 370 bucks tops for, to get to London. So it wasn't too bad. Was that flying from Richmond to Baltimore? Uh, no, no, a train, a train, oh. took a train, uh, uh, from Richmond to, to Baltimore Amtrak. Um, oh, okay. yeah. And then, you know, I ended up like cashing in credit card points. Um, and that more than paid for the, 
the ticket. So actually, I, I technically got back to Europe for free, which was nice. So yeah, uh, August, October 16th was a Friday. Uh, my parents drove me up to Richmond, dropped me off, uh, took the train up to Baltimore, um, got to BWI um, like at like 2.30. My flight wasn't until like 7.30, so I had a hell of a lot of time to kill. Um, but I'd learned from my, my flight in, uh, out of Brussels that even though check-in time is, you know, X time, I'm going to make sure I'm there well ahead of that. Right. So, I was going to ask if that was just by chance or if that was planned. Yeah, well, it was kind of by chance uh, and also planned, but like, uh, the Amtrak trains, uh, there was a couple in the morning that arrived at like 2.30, uh, one at 1.30, one at 2.30, and then the next arriving train to Baltimore was like 7.30. I was like, that's just not enough time. So it was, a, it was, it was either I, I arrive at 2.30 or I arrive at 7.30, I was like, so... Uh, I arrived at 2.30, got to uh, BWI, and just hung out for like an hour. Uh, and uh, actually, I picked up The Martian uh, at your suggestion as oh, okay. a book to read for the trip. So uh, I'm actually almost done with it. It was really good. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, so I just sat there and read until uh, – and I sat there like within eyesight of the counter. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I knew that uh, as soon as people started lining up, you know, I got in line. Um, yeah. not this time assholes screw you I'm learning um, <laughs> so, screw you I'm learning <laughs> so I uh, but one thing I did know about WOW uh, because they are such a budget airline is uh, the tickets are cheap but their their baggage restrictions are super strict and mm-hmm. if you're even slightly over they're going to charge you like 50 or 60 dollar overage fee for your carry on yeah um and I knew I was over their li- their limits like five kilograms, and I think I was at uh, eight. I was at eight, I think. So it was like three kilograms over, was, or I guess in pounds it was uh, eighteen pounds, and their their max was like eleven or something. Um, anyway, super strict, and uh, I knew I was over, but I'm like, it's just a backpack. Maybe I can sneak through. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't pay ahead of time online for the overage. Uh, and I'm standing in line, like I'm the next person to be called. And like, I'm watching the, this like family that went up before me to the lady and, uh, you know, they, she has them weigh all their carry on luggage after che- their checked luggage. And one mm-hmm. of their bags is over and she immediately is like, Oh yeah, that's 57 bucks. And uh, I was like, Oh shit, this woman's a hard ass. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I'm probably not going to get through. Luckily she was still dealing with this family when I got called to another of the clerks mm-hmm. and, um, this lady, thank God, she was super nice. She even like, uh, she was like, you know, you're you're booked on like, you know, middle seats for both your legs. Uh, do you want to ch- do you want me to change them to aisle seats? And uh, she's like, no charge. I was like, really? She's like, yeah. So I was like, okay. And she, she was immediately fired. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't say no charge. <laughs> and then uh, so she switched my seats, which was great. And then uh, she's like, we you know we need to uh, weigh your your carry on. So I put up on the scale and the big red numbers say 18 pounds or, you know, uh, right. eight kilograms, you know. And uh, she's like, oh, she's like, your bag's over. She's like, are you checking anything? And I was like, no. She's like, are you traveling with anybody else? I'm like, no, nope, just me. And she's like, is there any? She's like, hmm. She's like, we're supposed to charge you for the over. And she's like, is there anything you can take out of your bag? It's like, well, I can take my camera out, maybe put it around my neck. Can I go through with it just my camera around my neck? She's like, yeah, sure. And it was still over. I was like, oh, damn. Yeah. I was like, well, maybe my laptop. She's like, yeah, you just carry your laptop in your hand. I was like, okay. I pulled my laptop out. The bag was still over. Yeah. I was like, damn. 
and she luckily she she was like, like the bag was starting to slump over she's like oh i'm just gonna you know straighten up your back and she straightened up the back and then slightly lifted up on it and then uh-huh. hit the enter button on her terminal and like as soon as like the bag was like at five kilograms and like yeah. hit the button she's like all right there you go so like should have you should have said i think you pulled some of the weight off when you lifted it <laughs> yeah um, like all right give me some money dummy yeah so um She's like, all right, you're good to go. And she printed my board pass. I was like, oh, thank you very much. Uh, yeah. Like, so I, I totally lucked out on that um, uh, because, yeah, my bag was way over. Um, yeah. And, of course, as soon as I get out of, you know, eye line of the checkout counter, I put all my stuff back in my bag and right. <laughs> head on. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, I have to say that was, like, one experience in the airport that was actually like, oh, that was a cool experience. I actually got somebody that was cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I got through security uh, pretty much with no problem. Um, and then I had like, God, three hours to kill uh, mm-hmm. before my flight. So there, there, luckily there's a bar right next to the gate. So uh, I pulled a seat up, I pulled a stool up to the bar and just had a few drinks and ordered like, <laughs> yeah. some fries with old, uh, old base seasoning. I was like, well, I guess it's Baltimore. So, so, I, and I'm sitting at the bar, then uh, this, this woman sits down next to me, and uh, we start talking. It turns out we're on the same flight to London. Um, she's like, an, she, uh, she's from the U.S., but she, like, lived in Peru for, like, four years teaching yoga or something. Um, and now she works as, like, an interpreter in D.C. Um, but she was heading to London to, to visit a friend of hers. Uh, so I talked with her for a while, uh, and then we, we boarded the plane. And, uh, it's a pretty uneventful flight. Um, and until, (laughs) ah, geez. Okay. So I get on the flight and this is the first flight from Baltimore to, uh, Keflavik or Reykjavik, uh, Iceland. And it's like a five hour flight. And I'm in an aisle seat on the right-hand side of the plane. And to my left, uh, across the aisle, is a, like a young man sitting in the aisle seat. And then um, next to him is this, uh, this elderly woman uh-huh. uh, in the window seat. And they're talking. You know, um, they, they talk pretty much for like two hours, two and a half hours straight. Everything seems pretty normal. Yeah. After a while, um, I think I listened to some podcasts or something. And I looked over. This is about halfway through the flight. And the old woman is like slumped over, <laughs> like, I mean, in a very what, what cannot be a comfortable position at all. Um, yeah. She is like totally like bent over to her right side. Her head is her forehead is planted right down on the the armrest, uh-huh. and like one of her very frail thin arms is just strewn across the the uh, tray, right. and. I just look at her like, good God, that cannot be comfortable. And she must just be out cold. Uh, yeah. I mean, because to sleep like... It's called stroke pose. <laughs> yeah. So, it, I, I, you know, it looked, it looked questionable for sure. Yeah. Um, I guess a couple hours pass. And um, it's about, uh, you know, half hour or whatever before we land. It's uh, flight attendants come around uh, checking everybody's seat backs and tray tray tables. That's the word I was looking for earlier. Tray, tray tables. Okay. Jesus. Yeah. Um, you you, they're preparing for arrival. Yeah, preparing for okay. uh, yeah arrival. And 
you know, they're, they're checking everybody's uh, seat backs and tray tables. And uh, they, they, they arrive to our aisle, and, she, and she, the flight attendant looks over to the old woman. Uh-huh. who's still slumped over like that. <laughs> and she, like, you know, reaches across the young man and kind of shakes the old woman to try to wake her up. She doesn't wake up. Uh, okay. I'm, I start watching this. I'm like, oh, man. And yeah. so the uh, flight attendant shakes her a little harder. Still no response. Uh-huh. And then I'm starting to think, oh, shit. Something yeah. just died on this, this flight. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. Was the kid not responding at all? I mean, was he not like what? This lady's dead. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess he he would he was talking to her and like you know she just I guess he went to sleep. She went to sleep. Um, okay. At some point, he woke up and just, I guess you know he's like, well, she's asleep, even though it yeah. looks very uncomfortable. So she must sleep that way. Okay. So anyway, so eventually, like you know, the stewardess, uh, flight attendant, she's starting to like. You could see she's starting to like, oh shit. Um, so she asked the young man to get up out of his seat. She sits down and, like, really starts, um, you know, shaking this woman, trying to wake her up. Oh, well, she, yeah. she actually, I mean, she checks for a pulse. So this is what happened. She checks for a pulse um, mm-hmm. after really trying to shake this woman. And apparently she finds a pulse because she, I could tell she was relieved. <laughs> yeah. The woman's not dead. Um, yeah. But We have to charge you for body bag. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're going to pay. Wake up, please. <laughs> Defibrillation, $50. <laughs> yeah. So, um, anyway, so, so she finds a pulse. So, you know, she's like, okay, at least, at least the woman's not dead, uh, but they can't wake her up. So like she calls, uh, another flight attendant over, um, and, and he comes over and they, they're both, they just, they try like hell to wake this woman up. They finally wake her up. I mean, and it took a lot. Um, but the woman looks really out of it. Um, And so they try talking to her. I can't really tell if she's answering them or not. And plus they're speaking in Icelandic. Uh, so I can't really tell what's being said. And, um, they talked to her for a little while. Um, and she, she seems to kind of, you know, acknowledge something. Mm-hmm. So they, they get up and move on. Uh, the young man ends up sitting back down and about like two minutes later, I look over and the old woman just slowly slumps right back over <laughs> and right <laughs> no. on the freaking armrest. And I'm like, yeah. Oh my God. It's like, <laughs> it, you know, it, and oh, so and, so I'm wondering. I'm like, what the hell's up with this woman? Is you know, was she just yeah. drinking heavily or whatever? And um, so the flight attendants, you know, make another pass through, and they see she's out again. So uh, you know, they ask the young man, like, has she been drinking? And he's like, no, she only had the two. And then uh, I guess another flight attendant was walking by at the same time. She's like, yeah, we only served her two drinks. Uh, yeah. You know, two of those little teeny <laughs> airline bottles. And um, so they ask the young man to stand up again. Actually, I think they end up putting him in a whole other seat. They end up yeah. sitting down there next to her again, waking her back up and talking to her again. And the, uh, the, the male flight attendant ends up bringing oxygen. Oh, okay. And uh, they, they ask her, like, you know, like, you know, take some oxygen. Maybe that will help. Um, and she does. And it seems to kind of wake her up a little bit. Um, but I, and, and again, they're, you know, they're speaking Icelandic, so I just, I don't, I can't really tell what's being said. So I don't really know what's going on. I don't know if she's, if it's a medical condition or, excuse me, or she took, she took some meds before she got on the plane and then, you know, mixed them with alcohol. Yeah. I mean, what, I don't know. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, I I wonder what what is it about me and, and transatlantic, transatlantic flights and always having to deal with like women who are, are like 
drugged out or something, old women yeah. who are drugged out, because that's, you know, what happened with the other one. Anyway, so they have uh, another guy come sit with her. I guess, from what I could tell, he, maybe he was a medic or something. Um, so they have him sit with her for the rest of the flight, um, talking to her, keeping her awake, and then he escorts her off the plane uh, when we land. So, but then she, <laughs> then they just leave her to her own devices as uh, after they're off the plane. So I end up, unfortunately, behind her walking down the jetway. Yeah. And she's like stumbling all over the place. And I'm just like, oh, my God. So then we get out of the jetway. And then, um, unfortunately, we're on like a second floor. <laughs> so there's uh-huh. an escalator leading down to our first floor. Yeah. And I'm right behind this woman. And as soon as she's like walking towards this escalator, I'm like, oh, my God, this is not going to be good. So I get up like really close behind her. Yeah. And yeah, it, just like I thought, as soon as she steps on that that moving stairway, man, she just starts to topple forward. So I just I grab a hold of her. Yeah. And I'm like, and I just hold on to her. I'm like, I, I got you. I don't think it even registered with her. I don't know if she was just so out of it that I don't even know if she knew I was holding her. <laughs> right. Um, but I pretty much just held her until we got down to level ground. And uh, then once we were down on the first floor, I, I was like, I kind of, you know, I let her go and I was like, oh, I got to head to my flight. And like, hopefully she's on, yeah. she's on flat ground though. So, so hopefully she, uh, she can't do too much damage to herself. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was just weird, man. Good luck. Yeah, I was, uh, it was weird. But anyway, so that was the only weird thing that happened. Um, not as funny as the, uh, the drugged out old woman on the other flight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not super funny. Just, just kind of. Just disturbing, yeah. So get into Gatwick uh, Airport um, and go through passport control. I figured this would be pretty much a breeze like it was last time. Um, Mm -hmm. Super long line. And I'm like, oh, man. So I get in line, I wait forever, and all I want is like like a cup of coffee because I didn't pay for any coffee on the flight over. Which normally I'm drinking coffee when I when I fly, yeah. so it helps. But uh, I wasn't willing to pay for for a cup of coffee, right? And uh, so I had no coffee in me, and uh, waiting in this long line, just thinking, okay, as soon as I get out of this airport, I'm getting coffee. What time was it that you uh, got there? It was uh, like eleven o'clock their time, so five hours ahead. Uh, no. So. Um, Five six a.m. in the morning, um, okay. Eastern time. Yeah. So, anyways, I get through this long line after like forty-five minutes in passport control. I get to the the window. The agent, uh, the border control officer or whatever, asked she's you know asked me a couple questions. So I tell her, I was like, oh, you know, I'm just traveling, just visiting, and uh, she's like, where are you going after that? I was like, uh, you know, going to Paris after that. And she's like, how are you getting there? I'm like, probably a train. And she's like, you haven't booked a you know an exit yet? And I was like, no, not yet. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, um, she started asking me some questions and I kind of told her my, you know, I was like, well, I'm just traveling around, you know, just going around seeing the world. And I probably end up saying way too much, uh, uh-huh. being way too honest. Um, yeah. because she just starts asking me all kinds of questions. Um, and it's just, I, I realize that, oh God, this is going to take a long time. Yeah. She starts asking me a lot of specific questions about like exactly where I'm going, exactly how I'm getting there. Um, mm-hmm. you know, do I know anybody in London? Uh, where am I staying in London? You know, like, um, all kinds of stuff. And like, you know, it's like, well, I'm staying at a hostel. 
And she's like, you know, well, we need the address of the hostel that you're staying at. Like really specific stuff. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. You know, I tell her that. And then she's like, uh, so you don't know when you're returning the States? I was like, well, no, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> and because um, I told her I was, you know, Paris and Spain and maybe Morocco. Then she, she asked me, whole, she asked me all kinds of weird questions. She even asked me, she's like, are you in a relationship with anybody? Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> no. And I was thinking, what the hell business is yeah. that of passport control? Yeah. I'm in a relationship with anybody. What the hell? I, that, it was really bizarre. Yeah. And then she was like, um, she's like, if uh, we request to see your, uh, your funds, like how much money you have in your bank account, can you, you know, are you able to show us that? And I'm like, Jesus. I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, I can log on and prove that I have money. <laughs> um, right. And she's like, all right, well, I, I have to put you in a holding area. And I got to go talk to my supervisor. I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. Um, so uh, she put me in this holding area, <laughs> took my passport, um, mm-hmm. went and talked to her supervisor for a while. She comes back. She's like, all right, well, they're not going to request you know, to see your funding. Um, she's like, but I have to give you a code three stamp. Uh-huh. God, Jesus. What is it? I was like, what's a code three? And she's like, well, it's like a warning stamp. It's not the normal stamp. And, right. Uh, I was like, all right. And... Uh, so I finally get, she finally lets me through and like I go get coffee and I'm just like, oh man, that was a lot more trouble than I thought it was going to be. Cause like go, when I came yeah. into the to EU, uh, they stamped me in Iceland the first time around and it mm. was like super easy. You know, I go up to the thing and he's like, you know, the guy asked me like, uh, where are you headed? I was like, oh, I'm heading to Copenhagen going to, you know, travel around Europe. He's like, all right, stamp and like have a good day, you know, like so yeah. easy, you know, but this was a, man, this was a pain. So, um, get through passport control. Um, I grab a coffee at this little cafe right outside. Uh, and, uh, I jump on the Gatwick Express, which is a, uh, a train that goes from Gatwick to Victoria Station, which is a major hub there in London. Um, and from that same station, I could grab the Metro and I grab the Metro or the underground uh, up right. to Wilston Green, which is where my hostel for the first two nights is, uh, w- was at. Uh, mm-hmm. Checked in. Um, so by the time I did all this, you know, it was like it was already like one o'clock or something, and the check-in time for my hostel was like twelve thirty. So it worked out perfect. Like by the time I got up there, uh, I could already check into my hostel. Unlike Cop- uh, Copenhagen, where I was had to wander around like a zombie for uh, God, like eight hours or something. <laughs> Uh, so anyways, I go and check into the hostel, take a quick nap, which I, I could actually do this time. Um, and, uh, I think I just, I go out and find some, some dinner, like just down the street or something. Uh, but that's like all I did on that first night in London. Second day in London, um, uh, catch the, the tube down to like city center, get off mm-hmm. at like London bridge, just walk around with my camera take a bunch of pictures. Um, yeah. see like London bridge, see the tower bridge, um, and just kind of, you know, walk along the, the Thames, uh, yeah. and, uh, snap a bunch of pictures. And, uh, it was actually, uh, the weather was a lot better than I thought it was going to be considering it was like October in London. <laughs> right. It was a little, it was, it was, it was cloudy, but it was, um, and it was, you know, I had a little chill in the air, but it wasn't like cold. Yeah. Uh, and the sun actually broke through, you know, periodically too. So it was like actually like a really nice day. 
one of the couch surfer hosts that I had reached out to, not the original uh, people that were I was supposed to stay with, but a, yeah. somebody I'd sent a request to back when I was back in Norfolk, um, finally responded, and she's like, "Hey, I'm sorry I missed the first half of your trip. This was on Sunday." She's like, but if you need somewhere to stay for the second half of your trip, you're more than welcome. And I was like, oh, awesome. Okay, because I've only booked a hostel for Saturday and Sunday night anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I sent her a message back. I was like, that works out perfect, you know. And um, I sent her, like, my email and my Facebook contact info and all this stuff. And I was like, you know, just uh, let me know uh, when we can get up or whatever. And um, then I just, you know, like, so Monday rolls around. I check out of the hostel. And... Uh, pack up all my stuff and I, I just head into town and I'm walking around and it, periodically I'll, I'll stop in a coffee shop, get a coffee and, you know, check, you know, get Wi-Fi and, uh, mm-hmm. check my email and messages. I never heard back from her. <laughs> <laughs> so by like 4 PM on Monday, I'm like, okay, I have no place to stay. Uh, um, yeah. so I eventually just la- you know, booked the last minute hostel for the next two nights. I'm like, I'm probably not going to hear back from her. So, um, yeah. I, uh, I booked a, a, another hostel, and this one was up in uh, Mile End, which is like the east end of London. Um, and so I went in there, checked in, and this hostel was like actually really nice. It's like yeah. like really small, quaint little hostel. It only had like seven rooms, maybe five beds per room. Uh, the staff was super friendly. The place was like super clean. Um, and in Mile End, the the neighborhood that it was in, is actually a really cool neighborhood. Um, versus like Wilson Green was okay the neighborhood but it was just like it was just kind of wasn't a lot of cool places to eat or or hang out or any you know any pubs or anything it was just weird it was like a weird suburb kind of crappy place uh but and the hostel that I was staying in in Wilson Green was uh you know super huge tons of rooms um and the room I was in was like there was no fan it was like super stuffy in there and both, I had two roommates, like one of the beds wasn't occupied, but the, my two roommates both snored insanely loudly, <laughs> which it happens in, when you're staying in a house. So people snore, right. it's something you get used to. But both these guys were like the loudest snores I've ever heard in my life. And they, it was, so it was like this unsynchronized snoring to where like, as soon as one guy like reached a crescendo and came down, the other guy started and it was just like. <laughs> so maybe it was synchronized i don't know but it was just like it was it was so off kilter like this loud snoring and i was and it was so super hot and so both nights i just i could not sleep really well because in addition to their snoring i think our room was right next to the machine room for the elevator uh-huh. so every 30 seconds or so there was this low really intense metallic groan that happened and like every 30 seconds like constantly like throughout the whole yeah. night so it was just like this muggy sweaty noisy miserable hell that i was in in this hospital <laughs> trying to sleep on saturday night and sunday night and, and like i say the neighborhood you, you you could walk around to find some places to eat but there's no, there wasn't really anything good and yeah. no place cool places to catch a drink either uh mile in was completely different um like i say super clean the staff was super friendly um, yeah. it, it was just, you know, light years beyond the other hostel. Um, and the neighborhood was super cool. There was like a park right next to it. Um, uh, that was just amazing. And then, uh, there was like two blocks away in like the neighborhood in like a neighborhood was like a little pub. Like it wasn't in a normal like commercial zone. 
It was like mm-hmm. it was like an, it used to be like at somebody's house, and they just turned it into a pub. Uh, so I went and hung out there. I guess uh, I guess that was Monday night, and uh, so I went and hung out at this pub there in Mile End. And my whole plan was like that. That was Monday night. I was like, you know, I'm just gonna go out, have one Guinness, uh, go back to the room, read a little bit, do some writing, and then just call it an early night, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, that didn't happen. <laughs> so, so I went and had the Guinness at the pub, and then uh, there's two guys on the the corner of the bar uh, that were, I don't know what what all they were drinking, but, um, I guess and it turns out they were bartenders because they were they were actually making their own kind of making their own drinks at at the bar, which was kind of weird, but. They took this, um, they had bought this, uh, some kind of like appetizer with like chorizo and some kind of sauce. They ended up like making some kind of cocktail out of this sauce yeah. and like a Bloody Mary or something. And I'm just thinking there, at first I'm thinking these two guys are just a bunch of, you know, two, two idiots, you know, like, like trying to like dare each other to drink this fucked up thing. Um, yeah. but apparently, apparently they're both bartenders and they, they go to like competitions and they make drinks and shit. So like. Apparently they knew what they were doing, and uh, I, I actually I started talking to them, and they actually had me, t- you know, like, hey, you know, taste it, and I was like, oh shit, <laughs> I taste it. It was actually good. It was good. I mean, it was like a kind of like a yeah. Mary, but like with a twist, and I was like, oh shit, no, that's that's good. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I started talking to these guys, um, and uh, they're both from different parts of England, but like you know, moved to London a few years ago and started like uh, bartending and stuff, um, and then of course they start buying shot rounds of shots. Um, so I end up, you know, drinking with these guys, and then, I don't know, a couple hours later, they talked me into going to like this bar over in uh, Bethnal Green, which is a n- neighborhood maybe one or two over, and uh, going to like this whiskey bar, uh, like speakeasy type of thing. Like, so we we catch like an Uber cab over there, and uh, the place like like has no lights on the outside. There's no sign. It's like one of those things like you have to know where it is, kind of place. Um, so we go in and apparently like, so one of these guys, I think it's Tom, uh, it was Tommy and Manny, Tommy, uh, he bartends for this one place downtown, but he occasionally bartends at this speakeasy. That's why these guys knew about it. Um, cause I guess the speakeasy and this place downtown were, uh, jointly owned or something. Uh, but so they know all the guys that are working there at the bar, they end up buying more rounds, uh, I don't, I don't know how many drinks I had, <laughs> but I, I didn't, you know, I didn't end up paying for any of them. Um, yeah. The best and then, uh, ended up talking to this one guy, Kieran, uh, who's from Ireland, but he, he works there at that speakeasy, but he was, he was off, off out. Uh, he wasn't on, on duty that then he was right. Right. sitting at the bar. Started talking to him for like an hour about whiskey and like all these, you know, all these different, like whiskey and moonshine and like all these different, uh, I can't even remember what all we talked about, but he was like very knowledgeable about whiskeys and the history of like Irish. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but it's, it's like the Irish equivalent of like you know, moonshine. Um, mm-hmm. and how now it's a thing like in whiskey bars, like it's, it's legal now, just like, I guess the moonshine is now becoming or quote unquote moonshine is becoming legal in the States. You see it in liquor yeah. stores and stuff now, but anyway, so I had this long conversation with him about whiskey and moonshine and, uh, whatever the uh, the term for the Irish stuff is, um, but then yeah, we closed down the bar, which isn't saying much because the bar closed down at like midnight. <laughs> yeah. Um, apparently, in that section of London, like bars have to close during the week weeknights. They have to close at like midnight. Um. So, I but the metro had stopped running, of course, which I always run into. 
Um, but the guys tell me how to get back to my hostel. He's like, it's actually only one neighborhood away. You just walk straight down this avenue. You're fine. Uh, so I ended up walking back to my hostel and it was not a bad walk at all. It was actually really cool. And I ended up walking through that park that I was saying my hostel was right next to mm-hmm. really cool park. Um, so, um, walk through that park and then get back to my hostel and finally call it a night. But, uh, yeah, so I, my plan was just one Guinness and then, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how it always goes, I guess, right? Forgot a Sunday night I went um, into um, I went back into town in the evening um, and and got to see London at night. Um, so like I, I got off on the uh, Westminster, I think it was the Westminster exit, and I was like, well, Big Ben's somewhere nearby. I'll go by and see that. It was really cool though because like as soon as you come out of the Westminster station, like as soon as you get above ground, like Big Ben is like right there, <laughs> like as soon as you come out of the exit, which uh, totally su- surprised me. Uh, but it was all lit up at night, you know, uh, took some photos of that. And then I headed down, saw the London eye, which is the big Ferris wheel thing. Um, and it's all lit up and then just walked along the South bank of the, the, the Tim, uh, South bank of the Thames and, uh, you know, all of London is just totally lit up at night. So I, so Sunday night was when I, I did my, you know, walk through the city at night, um, thing. See, Tuesday night, I, I met up with, uh, I was supposed to meet my cousin, a distant cousin, uh, who I, I say I've never met him before, but I, I probably met him when I was like three years old or something. But, right. but he's been living in London for like four or five years now. Um, so I'd hit him up, uh, you know, um, before I got to London, told him I was going to be in London. So he was like, yeah, well, let's, you know, on, uh, he's, he's like, Tuesday night, let's, let's get up at uh, this bar. I think it was called Woolpack or something and grab a drink or something. And uh, I was like, cool. So I was supposed to meet him at 6.30. I left at uh, 6 p.m., figuring I had a half hour to get from South Kensington via the underground to Bermondsey Street and um, the, you know, the Bermondsey Station. And I figured Bermondsey Street is like, got to be close to Bermondsey Station, right? So I had a half hour window. And I get off on the station and I start looking around and I cannot find the street anywhere. Um, and of course I, I never got a SIM card for London, so I, I can't use my Google maps or anything. Um, so I eventually like asked somebody on the street and, uh, yeah, he looks up on his phone and he's like, Hey, yeah, Bermondsey street is, uh, it's like 20 minutes away. <laughs> I was like, Oh <laughs> shit. I was like, why would it be next to the station? Um, so it was poor planning on my part. Uh, I should have looked deeper into, you know, I should have planned better. Uh, Got to work on that time management. Yeah, I know. Uh, so it's six thirty now. I'm supposed to be meeting with my, my cousin Tom, and this guy's telling me it's like a twenty minute walk. Yeah. I'm like ah, great. He's like, but you're gonna catch the bus that's right over there. This, and he pointed to this bus stop, and he gave me the like the bus line to grab. And he's like, and you know, it'll take you to the the I can't remember what the intersection was. He's like, just hop off there and you just w- walk down Bermondsey Street, and it's like three blocks is Woolpack Bar. I was like, okay. So I jump on the bus. And, uh, the traffic's horrible. I mean, we're talking like, I guess, rush hour traffic. I don't know. So the bus is moving painfully slow and I'm just like, I'm getting late. It's later and later. I'm like, oh shit. And I can't text Tom and tell him I'm already late or anything. So I finally asked this woman in front of me. I'm like, excuse me, ma'am, would you, uh, mind doing me a big favor? I was like, would you mind texting somebody for me? <laughs> luckily she was totally nice. She's like, yeah, sure. So I gave her the phone number cause I had Tom's phone number. 
and uh, you know had her text him and say, hey, this is on the behalf, behalf of Chip. He's you know running late. He'll be about 20 minutes late, but he's on his way. And uh, so she pushed send, and then for like the next three minutes, like her phone was still like in sending mode. It like just wouldn't send the text. <laughs> and she's like, I'm sorry. She's like, my phone's just a piece of crap. And I'm like, ah, oh, great. It's like, well, I appreciate you trying. <laughs> you asked the wrong person. Yeah, exactly. So finally, like, uh, yeah, it's just the, the bus is stopping at every red light. And then, like, it's not even making every light because it's traffic so bad. And I'm just like, man, it probably would have been faster if I just walked. You know, <laughs> if I just yeah. not even got on the bus. I probably would have gotten there faster. Finally get to the bus stop and I haul ass down the street and I get to the bar and um, and I find Tom and I, you know, apologize profusely for being like a half hour late. Uh, but he's totally cool. Uh, so I have a drink with him. Then I head back to my hostel and uh, I get to bed pretty early because I got to get up super early to get back to Victoria Station and catch the bus to uh, to Paris. Why didn't you get a SIM card for London? I was only there for four days and I figured I could get by with just Wi-Fi spots, which for the most part I did. The only time it screwed me was when I went to meet Tom. Um, so it would have really helped then. But uh, again, that could have been avoided had I planned a little better, um, had I actually just looked up where that bar was in relation to this, the station. Uh, but I was just being lazy, I guess. I don't know. Uh, my plan yeah. was now that I'm in Paris, I was going to get a SIM card in Paris because I'm here for a whole week. And I've yet to get one. <laughs> Uh, yeah. mainly because I'm having trouble finding a shop to get, like I, I actually went in, I found like a little shop, um, like I'd found in previous countries and went in and asked for a prepaid SIM card. The guy gave me, he's like, well, you know, it's a, it's a, it only costs one Euro, but then you just, you install it and activate it and then you pay for your data, you know, via through the activation or whatever on your phone. I was like, okay, cool. I think I can figure that out. But I stepped out of the shop and I looked at the card and it wasn't a nano SIM, which the iPhone takes a nano SIM, which is like the smallest one because you've got your regular SIM, then you get a micro and then you get a nano. And I was like, crap. I was like, it's not a nano in here. And usually it comes with all three. Um, so I went back into the shop. I was like, no, I was like, there's no nano. I need, I need the nano card. He's like, oh, I'll just cut it for you. I'm like, oh, great. So he, he takes the card and he, he's got this little, these little clamp things. And I heard about this cutting the, Santa, uh, the SIM card to a Nano before, uh, and I've, I've heard mixed reviews on whether you should do that. Um, so he cut it for me, gave it to me, and then... It's a fuck out. So I, I got back to the uh, place I'm staying, um, and uh, I put the SIM card in, and it doesn't fucking work. It doesn't even recognize it. I'm like, God damn it. He's laughing the whole time. So, I mean, it was only it was one euro. I'm like, I'm just going to write that off. But um, I'd been looking for other places where I could find like a Nano SIM, um, but I'm just, I, I've been having trouble like finding any place that I can find prepaid SIM cards in, in France. It's not as easy as like in, in Amsterdam, it was like so easy, like in, in Copenhagen, like all the shops have them like advertising in the windows, you know, like one gig of data, 10 euros prepaid SIM card, you know, all this. It's super easy. Uh, it just hasn't been so easy here. So I've been, I've been just getting by with Wi-Fi, but it, it's, it's not too bad. Uh, yeah. the Wi-Fi here with the, the couple that I'm staying with, um, uh, it's the it's it's not the greatest, but it's it's uh, a lot better than most hostels. So uh, yeah, I just usually come back here and check emails and stuff like that, or um, or you know, there's always the the fallback of uh, Starbucks is always a an option. Those are everywhere, so I can always just yeah. go get a cup of coffee and you know get Wi-Fi if I need to. So so I've been getting by. Um, I've got an app now that's called City to Go 
or uh, an app that's called, yeah, I think it's called city to go and you can actually uh, download apps for the city you're in like Paris or London or whatever. So I did that for Paris. So it's, uh, I'm not stuck without a map any, at any time. When I leave London, I, I decided to take a bus because it's pretty cheap. Uh, so I get on the, the mega bus out of London to Paris. Um, and we, you know, we do the, I don't know if it was the channel or it was, it was called the Euro tunnel. I don't know if it's the same thing as the channel or not. Um, but pretty much the buses all load onto like a, a you know, rail car and then it goes through the tunnel. I don't know if it's separate from the channel or if it actually was the channel. But um, so we, we pull into a station on the, the UK side and we have like an hour before we have to, the bus has to load up on the train. And he's like, you got to go with the passport control. So and you do that to go into the little plaza where you can buy lunch and stuff. So we go in and we go through passport control, which really to me doesn't seem like passport control because all it is is the a couple officers there and they they just kind of scan your your passport there's no stamping it's just like they just scan the barcode on it mm -hmm. and you know you go in and you get your lunch and all that and you you know <clears throat> it's five till 11 you gotta be back on the bus so he can drive the bus onto the, the train and as we're so we get back on the bus and he's like all right well keep your passports out because now we have to go through the france uh passport control I'm like okay that makes sense you know like Maybe that's where I get my out stamp and my in stamp, you know, and then we get on the, you know, then we get on the train and we go through the tunnel. We're in France and we're on our way. Well, he pulls up to the thing and he's like, OK, well, apparently we don't have to go through France passport control so you can put your passports away. I'm like, uh, OK. <laughs> and yeah. we load up on the rail railway and we go through the tunnel and we get through on France and the bus, you know, gets off the train and gets on the highway and heads through France. And yeah. I never got an out stamp from the UK or an in stamp from the EU or huh. uh, from the Schengen zone. Um, so I'm a little concerned <laughs> Yeah. being that I have a code three and now I'm in France and I have no, I, it's like I've never left the UK. Right. Uh, so I just did a, a really, really quick search of code three stamps in the UK. And it's, it says that it basically just means that they're, tracking your movement as opposed to a normal kind of the normal kind of stamp which is you you know you come in and stuff it it says that it i guess what sort of triggers it is uh when you have uh when they have concerns that you might be overstaying your visa or working illegally or some other sort of immigration violation gotcha but supposedly that means that they're taking extra extra precautions to uh to track you while you're there yeah and when you leave so you know, that may cause a problem if you try to go back there and they're like, well, you've got a code three stamp and we never stamped you leaving. I know. That's <laughs> what I'm saying, man. It sucks. <laughs> or potentially that sucks. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, so I, I, I hope I, you enjoyed London because you're not going yeah, back. I'm never going back. <laughs> I, um, yeah, it's weird. Um, I, I really foresee this possibly being a problem. Um, it probably is just because you went and said, you know, you were there and you you had a pretty ambivalent schedule and you weren't there to work and you're just sort of passing through and, you know, maybe that, I don't know, maybe that triggers something for them that, you know. No, I mean, I totally understand. But I'm saying, like, I think it's now going to be, a, I think the bigger problem is not the Code 3, but the bigger problem is I never got stamped out. Right, yeah. You know, and I was just like, 
it's just really weird. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So okay. Let's let's uh, hypothetically let's say uh, you know I traveled down through Spain. I won't get checked there because it's all within the open border of the Schengen. Um, and then I head just uh, down in the south part of Spain. I catch a ferry from Gibraltar into Morocco. I'll get stamped there out of Spain or out of the Schengen. Um, so I'll get stamped out of the Schengen with no in of the Schengen. Right. Uh, so how, how does that work? <laughs> you know, and if I ever try to go back to the UK... And they yeah. say, you don't have a stamp, but if they see that I got stamped out of Spain on such and such a date, I mean, it would be pretty obvious that I'd left the UK, right? You would think. Yeah, I don't know. So anyways, this could turn out to be a, a big, huge debacle and uh, fodder for another podcast in the future, I guess. <laughs> yeah, one where you're in jail. Exactly. That's what I was going to say, the one where I'm broadcasting from jail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh shit. Anyways, okay. I'm sure that there's someone you can get in touch with about that. Yeah. No, I, yeah, yeah. When I get some, yeah, some downtime, I'll, I'm going to start looking into that because that was just really bizarre. Like, uh, you know, I ended up in, you know, like I said, the bus is tearing down the highway down France. And I'm like, okay, we're obviously not going through a France checkpoint. <laughs> so at yeah. this point, you know, like when we first pulled off, I was like, well, maybe the checkpoint's just, just up ahead or something, you know. But after he got on the highway, I'm like, nope. You were talking earlier about the uh, actually getting into France without having your passport stamped, which is probably going to cause you trouble in the future. Yeah. So now, now that you're there, not to make light of it, but goddamn. <laughs> no. So uh, now that you're there, and you excuse me, and you've been there for what? What did you say? Four days? Uh, yes, it was today's. Uh, today's Sunday. I got here Wednesday. Yeah. Okay, so you've got a couple more days, but go ahead and talk about Paris. Uh, yeah, so I got in, uh, yeah, so when I left London, it was raining. Like, it, London weather was great the whole time I was there, and then the day I leave, it's raining, which this is the third time I've taken a bus from a city to a city, and all three times now, it's, like, nice weather where I'm at, and then the day I board the bus, like, every time I'm waiting at the bus station, it's just piss and rain. <laughs> obviously obviously these cities are crying because you're yeah i know it's really bizarre um but anyway so it was raining when i left london um and uh that sounds more like uh that sounds more like london yeah fall <laughs> yeah i know so no i totally lucked out with the weather there yeah. um and i've been pretty fortunate here in, in paris too like when i think when i got here i think it may have been raining a little bit when i got here um but the past you know four days or whatever have been it's been gray and cool, um, mm -hmm. not cold though. <clears throat> Excuse me, and um, so I've been pretty fortunate. And tomorrow is supposed to be like completely sunny, clear, um, and then I think like 19 degrees uh, Celsius. So it's probably like uh, upper 60s, lower 70s maybe. Um, so it's supposed to be really nice tomorrow. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, but okay, so yeah, I get in uh, to Paris Wednesday. Um, check in with my, uh, so I'm doing Airbnb for, for Paris. Um, so I'm staying with a couple, um, in the, uh, I guess the Northeastern section of Paris. Um, and they're so, super cool. Um, so, so I'm staying here, staying with them for the whole duration from Wednesday to Wednesday. Um, okay. Yeah. So, uh, I checked in with my hosts here and, and, uh, 
in Paris. Um, I think I just walked down the street and got some dinner or something. Usually, that's usually what I do when I first get to a city. I, I don't usually go out too much. It's usually pretty late when I get in. Um, yeah. I think I got in around 8, 8 p.m. here. Um, what did you have for dinner? I'm not really very familiar with... Uh, never went to France when I was over there, so I'm not really familiar. Oh, well, the first night I just... Um, uh, I asked my host... Uh, um, you know, I was like, where's a cool place to just grab something quick, you know, nearby. Um, and she actually works at a, a Lebanese, uh, restaurant like two blocks away. Um, she's like, she's like, you know, she's, I might be biased cause I work there, but she's like, it's, you know, really good food. It's not too, too expensive. So I went down there and got, um, got some shawarma, um, and, uh, just brought it back to the, to the apartment here and ate Thursday. Uh, uh, Thursday was all about the loot. Um, I went in uh, to Lewis for the whole, the whole day there. Um, place is freaking huge, uh, and I, I, I had planned that. Just I was like, I set that day aside. I was like, that's just what I'm gonna do because it was. I think that day it was actually kind of rainy. Um, so I went to the Louvre, um, wandered all over the Louvre for like, you know, a good six seven hours, um, yeah. and uh, that was all I did that day. Uh, but that was really cool. So I saw the Mona Lisa, of course, um, which is really easy to pick out because it's the one place where everybody's packed in. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's insane. Uh, yeah. So um, I snapped a picture of the crowd, and and uh, I think whenever I post it on my blog, it'll be like the Mona Lisa. Trust me, it's it's there. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, I did manage to get up fairly close to it and see it. Um, and it's a lot smaller than you, I guess, than I'd pictured. You know, than it, just I guess you always see you see it in so many different contexts, but you just think of it as being kind of a fairly big picture. But it's actually pretty small. Yeah. Um, no, winged the winged victory of uh, Samothrace, Samothrace. Um, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, butchering it. Yeah, I don't but um, <laughs> it's a famous statue um, that was recovered. Um, it it kind of looks like, um, but she they never found her head, and she's got wings. So the wings are mm-hmm. there, but she's missing like one of her arms, and they never found the head or anything. It's a famous. Um, greek statue that was uncovered probably in the 1800s or whatever but that's there okay. uh, i think if you saw a picture of it you rec- you'd recognize it like, oh yeah yeah um i just wandered around like i know there's tons i missed too you know like i took a map and uh but i just i didn't even end up looking at it i just like was wandering down down the corridor and be like all right i'm gonna turn right here all right i'm gonna turn left here you know just kind of just wandered um so i know there's a bunch of stuff i, I missed but i mean you can't you can't do it all in one day so Right. Uh, so that was Thursday. That was the Louvre. Uh, Friday was the day the weather got better and uh, went into city center. And um, I got off on the same metro station near the Louvre, uh, walked past the Louvre, walked over uh, Pont Neuf, and then just uh, just walked along the Seine like all mm-hmm. day and just uh, just kind of wove along, uh, wove down through the city like that. So you know, saw the the stuff you have to see. Saw the Eiffel Tower. Um, and uh, I didn't see Notre Dame that day because when I w- went down Pont Neuf and then turned right to head down the Seine, I didn't realize that Notre Dame was like a quarter mile to my left. <laughs> uh, had I noticed, had I known that at the time, I would have probably gone and hit that first and then headed down. But um, anyway, so I headed down the, the Seine um, and uh, just spent all day wandering around. There's a uh, bridge there. That has the lockets. Yes, I saw okay. that. I saw that too. Okay. Yeah. I'd, I'd heard something recently about how they've decided to cut all those off. Yep. 
engineering wise, it's not. It's compromising the stage. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. I was just curious if it was still there. Yeah, it's still there right now. And actually, there's there's other bridges have started to have those locks on them too. They're all over the place yeah. actually. Um, but yeah, so they're they they they've um, well they started to put paneling up so you can't get to it now, and I think maybe they'll start removing them. But yeah, it's become a, a structural <laughs> issue. Right. Um, Saturday, um, one of my hosts, uh, Juan, he took me to Montmartre, um, which is a neighborhood, um, uh, which most people know from, uh, the film Amelie. Okay. Uh, did you ever see Amelie? I did not. Um, and, uh, and there's a, uh, a big church on the top of this hill too in Montmartre. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh. So he took me around there, showed me all that. And it's a great view from up on the hill of the city, too. You can see a lot of the city. Uh, and then we ate at, like, a, a little Vietnamese joint, like a little hole-in-the-wall place that he, he likes to go to. Um, and I had uh, Boban, I believe it was called, um, which I'd never had before. Um, but it was amazing. <laughs> um, so then I parted ways with him. Oh, we, oh and then we, we, so we walked through Montmartre and... Uh, uh, walked down and saw, uh, walked past Moulin Rouge. Um, and then he had to head back home. So I parted ways with him and I just wandered down further South through the city. And I saw, uh, there's like this like famous mall, I guess, uh, Lafayette. And, uh, but it's just like, you know, any other mall in, in the world, but there's a, like a terrace way up on top that you can get to, uh, if you go through the mall. And it's a great view of the city. So I went up there, hung out for a little while, and took a bunch of pictures. Um, what are your impressions of the people there? What are my impressions of the people there? Yeah, the people because, here? you know, it's it's like a, you know, just based on what you hear growing up about French. Oh, people, right. No, I'm no. curious about what your impression is of the actual people. Um, everybody's been pretty friendly. Everybody I've ever run into has been, you know, very helpful. And, you know, in a night... You know, in in some instances, I'm I'm trying, struggling to speak in French to you know for, right. for transactions and stuff, and I'm butchering it horribly. Um, but uh, everybody's been super nice, and you know, if they know English, they'll you know they're willing to speak to me in English, um, just like everywhere else. Um, so yeah, I haven't had any problems, man. Everybody's been, I haven't had any kind of run-ins where I'm like, oh, that, that motherfucker's rude. <laughs> you know, like yeah. no, not at all. Um, everybody's been totally cool. Um, you know, it, it is it is more it is more like um, you know everybody speaks French. I mean, it is in more so than like the other places I've been in, where it's like mm-hmm. you, you know when you go to like you know a establishment or something, and you know most people are speaking English in that establishment, even though I was in Copenhagen or even though I was in Amsterdam. You know, like uh, mm-hmm. but here it's it's the French is much more prevalent. You know, and English is not so much, but but most people know it. But yeah, so far, I mean, all my interactions have been really good. Then today, um, I went, oh, so today I went down, I took the, the uh, metro down, way down south part of the city, and then uh, I wanted to go see the catacombs. Tell me about the catacombs. Um, so it's a big, it's a bunch of underground, a network of underground tunnels and caves and stuff where, like, the bones of, like, six million people are stored. Um, so... Uh, I guess in the 1600s, 1700s, something like that, um, 
all the cemeteries in the central part of the of Paris were getting, well, they were, they were running out of room. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some point they decided that they needed to dig up all the graves and move them outside of the city. Um, and they came up with the idea. They had, well, for some reason, I guess they had all these holes in the ground or these caverns in the ground from mining that were outside. At the, at the time, it was outside of the city walls. Um, so they d- decided to reinforce all these little, these mining shafts or whatever, the tunnels, and um, they reinforced them and then uh, just filled them with all these bones. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like a big, you know, tourist attraction now. Is the, they call it the catacombs. Um, so it's just like a big underground ossuary. Uh, os- ossuary? How do you say that? Uh, place where they keep bones. Ossuary. No, that's not it either. Um, I'm not even going to attempt that word again. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, it's a place where they keep bones. So, but I, I went down there and I got off the station and it's like across the street. And I was like, okay, there's the, that's the entrance. That's where you buy tickets. And I was like, oh, okay, there's a decent line. So like I walked across the street and I followed along the line. Okay. The end of the line is probably over here. And I got to the, where I thought the end of the line was and it's like, oh no, it's curving around the corner. Okay. Okay, it's going down this block. And so I walk down this, to the end of the block, and I'm like, oh, okay, it's turning that corner. And I walk down that block. And I was like, okay, it's turning that corner. And it ends up, the, the, the line almost came all the way back to the ticket booth. Like, it went all the way around the city block. And, like, came back. I was like, holy, I didn't realize it was that big of, of an attraction. Mm-hmm. Granted, it was Sunday morning or, you know, Sunday midday or something. But I was like, you know, screw that. I'm not standing in that line. Uh, I was like, I'll come back like early tomorrow morning, like Monday morning, um, mm-hmm. which probably, hopefully the line won't be that bad. I just found out though. I just looked online. Uh, they're not open on Monday. <laughs> so, <laughs> so maybe Tuesday morning. I don't know. Uh, so I didn't get to see that. I wanted to see that. Um, Jesus, I'm looking at some of these pictures they have online. It's not even like, I mean, I'm sure you have too, but it's not, it doesn't even look like, oh, there's these spaces where we put bones. It's like some of this stuff is just. Like piles. Oh, they're piled. They're just they're piles signs. of bones. Yeah. The designs of things and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's horrifying. Yeah, they it's cool look. They design like you know they they put some skulls like in the form of like crosses and I mean yeah it's mm-hmm. kind of crazy. I've 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 seen some pictures and I I, I really want to see it in person, uh, just because yeah. it's such a weird thing like, yeah. you know like just an odd thing to do uh, and 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 for it to be and for it to be like a, a museum uh, tourist attraction type of thing too you know. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so yeah, I was gonna try to do that, but I didn't do that. So maybe, hopefully Tuesday, maybe I'll do that. Um, yeah. And then I headed up and I, I saw uh, Notre Dame um, finally, and then just walked along the Seine again, um, and uh, then I headed back uh, to do the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't necessary. <laughs> you can edit it out if you like. And now we've been talking for an hour. Okay, so we've got a couple more days left in Paris. Yes, uh, Wednesday I fly to Valencia. Uh, I've got a couch serving host in Valencia for two. Let's see, Wednesday night, Thursday for three nights, uh, and then Saturday I will take a bus from Valencia to Madrid, and I'm going to do a work away there for nine days. Doing what? Um, I'm going to help this woman fix up her uh, house and uh, learn English. 
well not learn or practice her english i guess okay yeah um yeah i found a lot of workaway listings in in spain that people were pretty much were like hey you know come stay with me for two weeks and let's talk english um yeah. uh, so i can practice my english uh so there's a lot of those me talking which me go there <laughs> yeah um that'll be nine days in madrid um and then from madrid i'm, I'm gonna be heading south um following warm weather hopefully so most likely the next time we talk you'll be in spain still correct i should be yeah i should be in madrid i think next time we talk yeah and southern spain somewhere i'm not sure where yet after madrid maybe granada um mm-hmm. and, and my friend keith is actually uh he'll be getting off of uh, off of a film on november 11th i think um so he'll have some money saved up and some time off um after that film so he's like hey man I, you know he's like i want to come over to europe he's like a you know, wherever you're at, I'm just going to, I'm going to come out there. I was like, okay, cool. So, uh, we're in the midst of trying to plan that now, but it looks like probably, um, you know, he's going to come over to Spain while I'm like over there and we'll, we'll probably hang out in Granada or something for about a week, which will be cool. All right, man. Well, uh, safe travels there in Paris and Spain. And I will talk to you in a couple weeks. Thanks, sir. It was good talking to you. Yeah, man. All right. Bye. Take it easy. You can find us online at www.chipjohnsonfilm.com. Click the tab for The World It's Ass. We're also available on iTunes. Just search for us there. We'd greatly appreciate it if you subscribed, rated, and reviewed us. You can reach us via email at twiapodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Please feel free to send us comments, complaints, concerns, and constructive criticism. Our theme music, Fuzzboxer, performed for us by the lovely Sarah Gregory. We'll be back, hopefully, in two weeks with more stories of the world it's ass. God, how the hell do you pronounce that word?